Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Roundtable Podcast. Remote today, also coming in a day late. Um, we wanted to get some some Masters coverage in at first. It's, it's been weird. It's been a weird 24 hours for the podcast. Yesterday, was, yeah. we talked about... Um, last night, we talked about Joe taking a solo episode today on the Masters because I don't know any golf. And then it transitioned to, well, we could put some Taylor Hall in there. Um, so well, yeah, we at, at like 3 a.m. all of a sudden, yeah. right? Like, it was literally yeah, it was like... Wicked late. <laughs> me, the driving force of Masters talk, wanted to do a preview show. Didn't happen. And then... Right, like let's well, let's like let's do remote Sunday. Like, like let's let the Masters play out in case something crazy. Ha- well, not in case something crazy happens. Like, let's be able to talk about what happens at the Masters. It's like probably one of the only real golf, one of the only of maybe four golf tournaments we'll like actually do like a legit segment on. Um, and then we're like, all right, yeah, 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 okay, Joe, maybe you'll do it by yourself. And then Taylor Hall broke at like three a.m. I don't know if Don, if uh, the, if Sweeney was like drunk and thought the trade deadline was three a.m. and not three p.m. Um, <laughs> he might have, but. That happened late at night, and all of a sudden this morning we were like, all right, cool, we have our something else to talk about, so now it doesn't have to just be me. And then, of course, if you haven't heard... Our first topic of the show, Julian Edelman has retired from the game of football, which that feels really weird to say. Um, did you, kind of did like you a, watch a the... Did you watch his video yet? Yeah, the one where he's like walking around uh, Fox Bar and like talking and stuff. Yeah, two takeaways from that for me, initially. A little bit of a tearjerker. Yeah, I was like, oh, this hits Fuck. the soul. And then you yeah. just like get the graphics and all of a sudden he's walking out. And I thought I was going to do like the one last walkout and then he stops and goes, beam me up. And I was like, you God, clown, the, dude, I love it. There's the comedic clown. relief that Edelman does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that to me was what stuck out. I was like, oh, damn. Like you, uh, <laughs> even now you're still, uh, you're still messing with people. See, when I, when he first retired, well, not retired, when he first got cut, because it came through as a Rappaport tweet that the pages were, um, we're releasing him or waving him. Um, and it was, it was due to a failed physical and all that stuff. I was like, Oh shit, here we go. Going, he's going right to Tampa, which I didn't have any hard feelings about. Um, I kind of almost hoped he would, if he was going to go anywhere, like if he wasn't going to retire, I was like, all right, just go to Tampa. And at least that makes a little bit of sense. So you're going back to, to Brady. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have had any hard feelings if he went to Tampa, to be honest. But then, yeah. And then it was like, I saw some people like, why is he going to go to Tampa? Who's going to start over? They have five better receivers. And then I thought about it. It's like Godwin's better. Antonio Brown's better. Uh, Mike well, Evans they is better. They haven't signed Antonio Brown. I'm yet. just saying. I'm just anticipating Antonio Brown will be back there, but at least retroactively to last year, Brown's better. Godwin's better. Evans is better. Scotty Miller's better. Um, like yada yada yada. So, uh, not really sure how much sense that would have made, and then he retired. So it's kind of a a moot point, but it's still weird to like to to see. I mean, I knew the day would come eventually, especially as he got older and older. I mean, he's 36 now, and his knee is made out of fucking triscuits but man i mean it's the entire the entire new england patriots dynasty whatever's left of it the only thing left is belichick there's there's nothing left i mean brady's gone gronk's uh, gone you, you still have you still have i'm cordy's there i'd push back you, there's a lot of guys that are either still there or currently back from like dynasty 2.0 as i think bryson likes to call it um i mean yeah i think you still do mean david andrews is still there high tower still there um i suppose McCourty, I just mean like, or like I Van mean Doy like came early, back. early, early, like. Well, yeah, but like, like early, Patriots. early, you're looking at like, even early, early. I mean, Edelman was what, 2011. Yeah, he was on that team. Yeah, so like, 
early, early, he doesn't even count. No, I don't mean like early, early dynasty. I mean like early, early into like this this dynasty, like the second 2.0. Like I put the this dynasty starting around like the 2012 ish. I know they didn't win until 14 with Seattle, like Seattle, but that's when the team yeah, tra- so, started to take shape. Right. And so so like, you're starting to lose like Gronk, Hightower, McCordy. Hightower, Hightower will be gone soon. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but they're still here. It's not. He's not the last. Let me be doom and gloom. I no no. I have too many friends that are doom and gloom about I everything. No, my, I want to oh be doing my friend Baldy with the Celtics. <laughs> you can't. I get it. It's been a bad year, but like every every game, there's a chat. There's a message to the chat of just like, you can't beat the fucking Knicks. Are you kidding me? And he's like the losing his mind. Year. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, stop. Like you're gonna give yourself a heart attack. It's a fake year anyway. Relax. It's just not worth it. <laughs> All right. So fine. No doom and gloom. It is still weird to see Edelman gone. No, we're gonna um, we're gonna honor Edelman here. What are, so what are you what are your what are your favorite moments? Let's do like a top four. Top four? Okay. Um, like a little a little Mount do, Rushmore of jewels. Do they have to be in order? Or can I just name them as they come to my head? You can name them as they come to their head. Okay. Um immediately I'm to think of a few. Immediately Seahawks Super Bowl catch, game winning. Um Can I put I wanna kinda put that entirety of that game in there. There's so many Julian moments because like you could say that that game-winning catch, and then you could also say the hit the he hit. takes from Cam Chancellor. And then keeps going. Um, and then gets up and keeps going and just concusses his shit to the point after the game where he said uh, St. Louis threw some hard coverages at us or like he thought they were playing the Rams um, instead of Seattle. That was funny. In a sense that it, I mean, not funny that brain, uh, Julian Edelman had brain damage, but funny to the point of like, ah, he's just messing up teams. Uh, the Falcons catch comes in a comes to mind yeah that's the, a big the one. ravens touchdown pass in the divisional game in 2014 comes to mind uh the rams domination um in the super bowl winning super bowl mvp like there's so many one i will say one personal favorite that's like kind of off the board is when he gets it's it's semi a brady moment but it's also an edelman uh, moment no i know exactly what you're gonna say because this is one of my favorites the punt return down to the touchdown were you and in the brady punt return i I had to come see my guy. Zone? Yeah, I had to come see my guy. Like that's that was just kind of like that was like the happy like everyone was we were winning. The team was good. Like the whole nine like the whole nine yards. Brady was there. Edwin was there. It was, yeah. It was a nice callback to like me being. Well, actually, it was like what four four or five years ago. I don't want to act like I was t- terribly young. I was like sixteen when that happened. Like it's just it feels so distant. Fuck. I mean, damn it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. This blows. Edelman's gone. Brady's gone. I'm like falling apart at the seams. Fuck me. I will, I will say, um, I don't know if I would have had the Rams Super Bowl on there purely because like he was good. Like don't get me wrong. He was really good in that game, obviously, but because they like career, didn't probably. score a ton, it kind of like, I kind of like forget about it. Like, the no, defining that, moment yeah. of that game for me is the Gronk catch followed, scene, by, yeah. followed by the Sony Michelle run. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then, like, the, and the Gilmore interception. And then, the, yeah, and then the Gilmore interception. So, like, Edelman got one Super Bowl MVP, but he, like, didn't have the, like, defining moment of that game. And I know they ran Hosswai Juke, like, three times in a row, and he probably caught, like, two of them, if I'm being honest. But mm-hmm. it's just, like, for me, the moment was, like, Gronk down the seam in triple coverage, an absolute dart from Brady followed by you know the run so like for me I don't know for me I don't know if I think of that game as like a prime jewels moment but like yeah the part the the double pass obviously was huge um yeah you already said that you already said the Falcons game you already said that the Seahawks game 
trying to think if there's like another one in the like I I also like the punt return moment that like mic'd up one that was really good. And then you want to throw a low light in here that like I hate thinking about but it, it, it is part of what Edelman is. The drop in the Tennessee game. Indeed. He started yeah, to get the drop later tough. in his career and that was the last pass he he got from Brady really. I don't know if he got one on the ensuing drive um when they got it back with like pinned down in their own end zone or the fuck but I don't think so. Like that was the, that was the last pass that we're ever going to see from Brady to Edelman, like one of the biggest bromances in sports history, and it's 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 basically a game game ender. Like they were done after that. The the drive the drive stalled. Then uh, nothing nothing really came from after that. Brady left, and that was the end of it. Uh, so I hate to think about that, but it is part of like something you do have to remember. Um, yeah, because it comes with the good with the bad. Like I can't act like Edelman only had good moments here. Like of course he had some some bad moments, and that was one of them. But I mean, all in all, it's. It's more so like it just it shows how many good moments he had that we can keep thinking like this, and there's like a thousand of them. There's a litany on a list of how many good moments he had. Yeah, I mean he's thrown a couple touchdown passes. I mean, I could think of one. I forget who he threw it to, but there was like they did like a reverse pass with him once too, and he like threw it into the end zone. Oh yeah, yeah. Was, it, it, was it to Amendola? I think so. Did he throw into Amendola in the? I knew he's because obviously there's the Ravens ones, but he threw one that I'm like visual. I vividly remember it and like, no, I remember. Yeah, he was like running a reverse and then he like or something like that, and then he just stopped and like threw it like a 15 yard like I, strike into the end. I zone. think it was Amendola. Yeah, Indeed, I okay. think it was Amendola. Also, another, like another one just, also sneaky, just like the general social media presence, like the Burger Time stuff he that. used to do, like it's smoothie time too. We used to have a yeah, smoothie, time. smoothie time, like. Like Burger Time, Smoothie Time, like the, the dude was a clown. And it was like, it was the comedic relief. Him and Gronk were the comedic relief you didn't previously get in Foxborough. It was always like you know, watching, business as re- usual. Rewatching Tom vs. Time, like watching Tom vs. Time, not really rewatching it, but like watching Tom vs. Time and like the whole like Montana bro trips they took. And like he broke Brady's driver in the simulator, was like, hey, good, the good news is we won this game though. <laughs> He was holding. Yeah, he was holding up the driver at a break. Yeah, it was probably like a six hundred dollar driver, and he was like, "I broke your driver, bro." That's funny. He was again, like he, him and Gronk were the comedic relief you didn't get here. It was. It's always business as usual with like Brady, Belichick, Kraft. Like it's it's a very serious organization. But like you got you got as much comedic relief you could get out of those two, out of Edelman and Gronk. Um, another one, another Edelman I'm, moment at least. I'm trying to think of. I have like a vivid memory of him like, oh, it's uh in the Falcon Super Bowl when uh Amendola gets the two point conversion and then Amendola walks over. I mean uh, Edelman walks over and like slams his head into Amendola and almost gives a concussion. I don't know if you remember at the end of the game. Yeah, and then also the uh at the very end like when, when White scores and he's like screaming at everybody to get back on the bench, like it's not get over. Off the field. Yeah. It's not over. They gotta review it. Oh, and then and then Belichick comes on the field. They gotta review it. They did. Is it over? Yes, it's over. And like they start that's that's just so fucking funny because he like yeah. freaks out. Um what, uh, more of a heartfelt moment that I do like is the, uh, I think it's in the, what Super Bowl is it? I think it's, I think it's in the Falcon Super Bowl again. There's so much coming out of that one. Is um, when he looks, yeah, because because Gail uh, Gail Brady's at mom's uh, Brady's mom. He goes over to Brady and he's like, let's like let's go win this, bro. Let's go score for your mom, bro. Like for your mom. Mm-hmm. That shit. Like another another good heartfelt moment. Like you could just tell how close Brady and Edelman were. Like it wasn't. It was not a secret to anybody by any any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's it's why we both both of our minds went to like in all my group chats too, right? Like they were we were all like, he's going to Tampa. Yeah. Like they were like they did him a solid and they cut him so he could go to Tampa. 
Mm-hmm. And then when I saw him retiring, so like, oh, then, wow, like then it turned gone. out that the reason why they terminated, I think, I think Pat's cap hinted at this. So I, I'm not sure if this is hundred percent true yet, or if this is just something he's hinting at. Um, but I think because they terminated his contract with the physical issue, he can still get like 2 million in like injury pay or something. He does. Yeah. He gets $2 million and um, it doesn't count like against the, the cap either, but it's like you get your 2 million cause you, you had to retire cause you were hurt. Yeah, he, no, he, they absolutely did him a solid, as they should have, by the way. Like, it wasn't like, like, Edelman did them plenty of solids as well. Um, it's weird to think that the the Edelman experience almost ended. I saw a tweet earlier today, uh, was it from Mike Giardi, I think? Uh, he was talking about how the Edelman experience almost ended in 2013. Uh, Edelman started to look for other, other teams. They didn't know if they wanted to pay him. They brought in Amadol to replace Welker. They hadn't transitioned to uh, Julian yet. And then he came back after, like, talking to the Giants for a little bit, I think, and it was like, there was a moment there where he was almost gone, and, like, none of this ever matters or happens if he's if he leaves. Uh, also, he came back, and now he's one of the most important Patriots ever. I was going to say one of the best, but, I mean, then you get into talent, discrepancy, and stuff like that. I would just say he's one of the most important Patriots ever. Um, and it's, it's just crazy, because I, I sometimes forget about that, that, like, he really was, like, for a little bit, he almost wasn't here. Like, they brought in Amendola to be the new slot guy that, like, Welker was leaving, like leaving that position. They brought in Amendola from the from the Rams, and it was like Edelman wasn't fully Edelman yet. It was it was 2013 and after that he grew into that role. And so I mean, it was we were close to not even getting that for a while there. Yeah, I I actually didn't know that he almost left. To be honest, I really I I was today years old when I found that out. So <laughs> was it were you minutes like second year old or did you see the the uh, GRD tweet as well? Oh no no no! Like you telling me this is now when I learned that. He almost went to the Giants. Nice. Um, yeah, I hit the nail on the head there, right? Like, he wasn't originally in the plans. Like, they took a flyer on him in, like, the seventh, but... That, worked, that's what makes him so out. great, is that, like, the dude just works his ass off. I mean... I do I do want to get to something that I think is going to be unpopular amongst the Patriots fans that okay. listen. But do you, do you think he belongs in the Hall of Fame? Ah, um... The Patriots fan of me says yes. The football fan of me says no. He just doesn't have the counting stats to God, get in. God, no. I just don't think there's, he belongs. Honestly, there's not a chance he does. He, he doesn't actually belong. The, play, the playoff he stats, if, he doesn't. if we're going off play, playoff stats alone, then yes, but you also have to factor regular so season. It's like, he this, doesn't have enough regular season stats. This, yeah, so this is my thing. Is I am from the opinion that the Hall of Fame should mean more than it does. I think yes, a lot Eli of Manning stinkers, should not be a Hall of Famer. I think a lot of stinkers have gotten into the Hall of Fame. Indeed. I think you can and this is and this is separate, right? Like this is something that I think personally is like I think you can honor players and moments without making them Hall of Fame players. Right? Like you can honor like you can have stuff for about Julian in the Hall of Fame if you want to have a, a good thing about the Falcons Super Bowl and that comeback and I think they have his gloves in there from the Falcons Super Bowl. Right. Like that stuff can be there and be like a, a little homage to his playoffs because like he was a part of such memorable Super Bowls, right? Like he's a Super Bowl MVP. He he balled out in the Falcons Super Bowl, had the ridiculous catch, you know, he he caught the game-winning touchdown against the Seahawks, like all of those things can be put in the Hall of Fame in a way to honor him, but he doesn't have to have a bust in the Hall of Fame. And that's the route I think it should go. I don't think he belongs. It, it pains me. I love the dude. He never made a Pro Bowl. I think he had a thousand yards once. 
Twice. Twice. Okay. Twice. Because he had his last. He he had it his last year with Brady. Yeah, it was. Um, but yes, playoff wise, year. he was an absolute monster in the playoffs, and I think he should get recognition for it. But he's not a Hall of Fame player. Agreed. He wasn't. I think the best of the best in the league. The, I think the he's a Patriots time. Hall of Famer. Oh I just well, yeah, a, yeah. Give him a red jacket. Whatever. Who yeah, gives, he's, who gives he's, a shit. Yeah, who gives a shit about that? I just don't think he's a. I don't think he's a gold jacket NFL football like Hall of Fame. Like I don't. There's a lot that goes into that. And like you said, I think it should be more. More prestigious than I, it is. I, I think I think all of these things should be more selective than it is. I think it's the one thing baseball almost does right, but they still fuck it up. Because they still like, fuck it up. Because, like, they don't put the guys in that are like, who gives a shit if they use steroids? Like, they all did, Barry so, Bonds, like, he Roger was still Clemens, really like, good. Who gives a shit? Put but then in. also they get in their own way when they're like, you can't be unanimous. <laughs> Ugh, that was so... that If Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous, how can you? Well, it turns out Babe Ruth was a fat moron who played in, like, the 20s. Like... If Babe Ruth saw, I'm trying to think of a good pitch. If, if if Babe Ruth saw a Chris Sale slider today, he would have called like for witchcraft. He would have like, had a heart attack. He someone would have had to have had Chris Sale with, with his head cut off. Like there would have been a witch hunt against Chris, against Chris Sale. <laughs> My his, thing with that slider. stuff is like they made bad decisions back in the 1930s, so we should still make bad decisions today. It's like Base, what baseball's Hall of Fame committee is so fucking annoying for that, but. I, don't, I won't get started on that because I can go for hours on Baseball Hall of Fame. But yeah, that shit's I, either way, me off so bad. I was just curious what your thoughts would be because like, I, I really don't think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I love the dude. Will I be mad if he gets in? I mean, no, because I'm a Patriots fan. Like, I'll be like, cool, great. But like, Hall of Famer, yeah. if it was up to me, like, no, he doesn't actually deserve it. I will also say uh, we don't have Miles today here, uh, if you didn't realize. But I know Miles' thoughts on the situation. He Miles? My, Miles, you're not here? Hello, Miles? Miles? Where are you? Miles. No, he's, we couldn't get Miles. He, the remote thing still doesn't work for him. Um, but... He also doesn't believe Edelman's a Hall of Famer. We've had this conversation in the past. Um, just, like, off... Like, not even regarding, like, Edelman retirements or anything. Like, I just have talked to Miles about it. And he also thinks that Edelman's not a Hall of Famer. So, I think Lit. we're all in agreement with that. I think most people are. The only people I think that think Edelman's a Hall of Famer are, like, the, the die-hardest... Like, not even the die-hardest of the diehards, Because, like, we're die-hard fans. It's just, like... I mean, you got to have some Patriots tinted glasses, like. I mean, I, I can see where you make the argument if you want to go ahead and be like, "Well, Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame, and he actually sucked, <laughs> but he had that one moment where he called his own shot in the Super Bowl, so like he's in." It's like, all right, well, Edelman was a baller in the playoffs. Like, does that mean yeah. he deserves it? It's like, well, no. I think if you fucked up in the 1970s, you shouldn't continue to make bad decisions about who goes in your Hall of Fame. Tur- yeah, tur- yeah. It turns out you can atone for past mistakes. You don't have to keep who knew? making them over and over. Um. But I guess that'll that'll wrap up our Edelman coverage because there's really not much more you could say. I mean, he, his his resume speaks for itself. Seventh rounder, wide receiver turn, or quarterback turned wide receiver, the whole nine. Like we all know the story, and so tough seeing him go. But it was also simultaneously tough seeing him on the field not be himself. Like you could just tell the last year or two that that knee was gone. It was cooked. He had he'd really know none of that short area burst that he was so known for. Yeah. Um, so again, I don't mean to talk like he's gone. Uh, from this world or anything, we will still, <laughs> Dwight Howard, we, carry, we will Lord still, carry him, <laughs> Lord carry him. Now we will still see Edelman around. I'm sure he'll be very ingrained in Patriots culture and all that. But um, as of now, we will not be seeing Julian Edelman on a football field ever again. Now, Joe, the Masters 2021 recap. If we had some cool music, we could play like some some Masters music. I don't know if they have like they, oh they Masters have a, music. They have a jingle. Do they? Do, oh, okay. they have a jingle. I, I don't know it, but I, I mean, I'm not going to put it in because no, we'll get uh, copyright. Oh my god, yeah, they they uh, Augusta they is the, aggressive. They would take the roundtable podcast to Down. the roundtable court. Um, um, 
All right. But you can go S- ahead and talk side story about this. Just a quick side story about how aggressive Augusta is with that stuff. Uh, okay. PGA 2K21 is the C- the third game but done by uh, the golf club company. The company called like uh, HB Studios. They did the golf club, the golf club 2019, the golf club PGA Tour, and then... Actually, I think there's another one in there. And now it's called PGA 2K21 because 2K took over it, or but it's the same mm-hmm. studio. The big draw with this is you can create your own courses and you can publish them. And so naturally, people create real courses. They just go in and they make the best they can. Augusta literally goes in and puts like cease and desists on everything that's in Augusta. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, yeah. Everyone. Like, I finally found one the other day that hadn't got taken down and played it. And it's like, literally, like, it's not even named Augusta. It'll be like, Firestone. And they're like... <laughs> It's like, oh, that's a flower that's on Augusta. You know what? Maybe we'll check if that's... Yep, that's Augusta. Cease and desist. <laughs> oh, Azalea? That's a flower at Augusta. Cease and desist. See, I don't I don't get that shit. Like, the MLB... I don't, again, I don't mean to get too off topic here, but the MLB does that with um, baseball highlights. You can't... Sometimes you can't post baseball highlights on Twitter anymore because the MLB like has like copyright issues with that. It's like... Oh, Augusta's just like, we own we're us. We're expanding the you game. What nothing. are we fucking doing? Like, yeah, I, just allow people to expand the game and like enjoy things what are we doing here jesus christ oh yeah no but augusta national is all about their exclusive rights to everything they do yeah thank you Augusta. Is, we're oh. still going to talk about you oh yeah we'll talk about you uh so first and take foremost, it away joe zach i have to have to inform you that i already kind of informed you but uh your boy bryson did not play well okay he did sneak into making the cut but he nice. he didn't play well uh, i don't remember what he finished off the top of my I think you said head. Uh, 18th well, he was at 18th when we talked about it, and then lo and behold, he did not play well again the next day. So please hold while I attempt to grab this. I should have had this up so I could make fun of him on on ear for you. I'll talk for a second. Um, the only re- I I will take my Bryson DeChambeau L with in uh with class and in stride. I took it because you guys said Spieth, and I'm like I'm not gonna go Spieth because then we're just all Jordan Spieth. Uh, but Bryson has big guns, hits the ball hard, right Tied my for alleyway. 46th. Oh, Jesus Christ. He finished five over for the week. How, how does he go from 18? He was he played that bad that he went from 18th when you last updated me to 46th. Yeah. Figure it the fuck out. So here's... You, you and your protein powder can take a fucking hike next time when we come to Augusta because I'm not picking your ass. So this is this is the thing. He's never going to win there. No one should pick him. No one should I'll pick him. I'll pick him again. I'll pick him again on spite now. Because here's the thing. I learned this recently, but... Augusta is one of the only courses on tour, not even on tour, because it's technically not a PGA Tour event, but you can't use green reading books. You can't use, like, the little book diagrams they have that have all the arrows yeah. that, like, point to, like, where the green slopes. Mm-hmm. So you can't use those. You have to just, like, do it by hand, do it by eyes. He can't putt on those greens. He can't Can he read- putt in general? Well, yeah, normally he has a green reading book, and he putts really well. Oh, okay. But when he doesn't have the book, he can't putt. He shits himself. Okay. Yeah. And That's so- good to hear. What's what's also great is you probably didn't know this, but um, I didn't know that one either. So he he also the other I forget if it was before this Masters. I think it was before last one. At some point when he started, you know, you know, just chugging protein powder and injecting <laughs> himself with it. Only eating red meat. Only eat. Only eat. Yeah, I don't even know if he eats red meat. He might literally just eat protein powder and creatine. Like that might be his only diet. <laughs> but he at some point said Augusta for him because he hits the ball so far. It's a par 67. It's not even really par 72 because, you know, the par fives are so short. He's like, they're just par fours to me. It's for me. This is a par 67. That's how I look at it. Okay. And Augusta ate his now, lunch. 
Obviously, now now he's tied for 46th uh, at the end of the Masters. So, Augusta maybe he was actually watch. not a par. What was funny was he did shoot a 67 the day that he um the day that I told you he was like tied for 18th because he played well yeah. that one day was he shot a 67 and so all of like golf Twitter was like hey Bryson shot even par today <laughs> <laughs> like that's, everyone that's was saying one. it it was pretty it was pretty good that's but, funny you know he didn't he didn't do he didn't do so hot you know he 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 talked shit about Augusta National and Augusta National came hunting back I will I will take my Ellen stride I will yeah. not be picking Bryson Bryson DeChambeau in the future. That being said, you know, now we're just going to go generally about the Masters. Now you can just... It was a good tournament. Um, They definitely had the course playing really hard this week. Um, I'm sure you didn't watch it in November, so... I did not watch it, no. Or in November. Dustin Johnson won in November, and he broke the scoring record at Augusta. He shot 20 under for the week. It was the best anyone ever shot there. Wait, how often does the Masters happen? It's usually once a year in April. For COVID, it got effed up, and they played one in November. Oh, I see. Last okay, so it was November and then... Okay. So the 2020 Masters was in November because of COVID. Makes sense. And so Continue. everything was a little bit softer. It was in the fall. DJ shot minus 20. It was, it was the... I think I, I do think... I think it was the best score relative to par they've ever had for a champion. Augusta National, the committee did not like that, it seems, because it was a lot harder this time around. You had balls that wouldn't st- people couldn't hold greens, b- balls rolling off the front, off the back, all the slopes. It was great. Carnage. Um, but overall, if you didn't know, Hideki Matsuyama won the Masters. Um, he took, got a really big lead at the end of the third round. There was a weather delay. I think he was on, I want to say he was on like 12, 11 maybe, 10 or 11 I want to say, when they blew the horn for inclement weather because there was like thunderstorms in the area. And so Thursday, Friday, greens were really dry, firm, fast. You get a bunch of rain, greens slow up, soften up, easier to, easier to land the ball, easier to stick the ball. Putts aren't rolling as quickly. He was the only person that really adapted well to the weather change. When they came back out, he played basically a perfect back nine and took like a, I think it was like a four or five stroke lead going into Sunday. And so it's happened before. People have blown that lead, but really... The storyline on Sunday for me was Hideki shot plus one, finished at minus 10, and he started the day obviously at minus 11, and you had a couple guys chasing that were like the minus six range, and no one could really challenge him. It kind of, you had Spieth started, I think it was at like four, was it like five under, and then he, you know, he struggled early, a couple bogeys, and then he lit it up on the back nine, got to like minus seven, um, but you know, had like a double and like a bogey, a couple bogeys early that hurt him. Xander Shoffley, same thing, you know, he had a couple bogeys, struggled early, then he went nuclear on the back nine, had four bo- four birdies in a row, uh, on 15 he birdied while Matsuyama airmailed the green on a par five into the water, which led him to get a bogey, so they were like basically within like striking distance of each other, I think he was two shots back going into the par three, and then he dumped his bottle into the water, and that had like a triple, and that like completely blew his chances of catching him. All what he, hole was the par three? The par three was 16. 16, okay. So he, so he still so, had time to make it up going into 16. Yeah, so Xander was down two shots going into 16 and had honors. He was teeing off first and came up short in the water, then then airmailed his his uh his second chair. Well, technically his third because the drop dropped two, hit three. Airmailed his third, then like two-putted or three-putted from there and got like a triple bogey. Um, meanwhile, Hideki threw it to the back green i don't know if you know anything about 16 you ever see that highlight 
I'm sure you've seen this. I don't know anything about Augusta in general, let alone You'll 16. know this, though. You'll know this one about okay. 16. Uh, the chip, the tiger chip, where the ball like comes all the way down the slope oh, and yeah, it stops yeah, yeah. and then goes... Boop. Yeah. Yeah. That's 16? That's 16. So it's super Makes sloped. Sense. And so okay. Hideki hit it way out to the side, up to the back, had that huge slope to contend with because the pin on Sunday is always down by that bunker area where Tiger chipped in. So he had to putt basically perpendicular to the hole because he had to hit it so far up the hill to let it come back down, and he still missed it like five feet left. And so he ended up three-putting and bogeying, and if literally all Xander had to do was par, and he would have, um, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he would have been, they would have been tied. And what did he do instead? He, was it a, he, tri- was he that was the bogey? hole he tripled. Yeah. Oh, he triple bogeyed. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he he lost by three, and he triple bogeyed sixteen. So like, really, <laughs> no one no one challenged him. There was a a rookie a rookie at the Masters. He doesn't even have PGA Tour status. His name is Will Zalatoris. Got a ton of jokes online because he looks like an older version of Happy Gilmore's caddy. Um, from obviously Happy Gilmore. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Other thing, uh, he also he also got a lot of there was a lot of jokes because he looks and sounds a little bit like Owen Wilson, and so a member of the media asked him, and they were like, "Did anyone ever told you you look and sound like Owen Wilson?" And his only response goes, "Wow." <laughs> so he was he was really having <laughs> the a good Owen time Wilson with it. Wow's classic. Yeah, no, it's it's great. That in between, like Happy Gilmore, like Adam Sandler tweeting at him, like pretending like he really was the kid that was his caddy from Happy Gilmore. It was great, um, but he actually came in second at minus nine. And he was contending and, you know, kind of faded at the end. Hideki never really had anybody within more than two or three shots of him all day. And shot plus one. There was a chance for someone to chase him down and no one got it done. No one really contested him. So that's the one thing that really stuck out to me was like, would have been really cool if someone could have contested it down the stretch and made Hideki really have to work for it at the end. And he, they kind of did. They got a little close. But if someone could have posted like a plus a minus 10 into the clubhouse, but they were still at like 15, that would have been really exciting. All right. So then lastly, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter at all, but uh, Siwoo Kim broke his putter. On it was he was putting with an iron or whatever. He was putting with a three wood. Because <laughs> you can't. Re- That's fucking funny. Because you can't replace your club. So it was on Friday at 15. He three putted on a par five. I think he was on in two, like putting for eagle and three putted for mm-hmm. par. And he just like snapped, smashed, smashed his putter on the green and like it snapped the head off. So he had to play 16, 17, and 18 at Augusta, which greens are super sloped, super fast, hardest greens they probably ever play, with a three-wood. He had to putt with a three-wood. <laughs> it was the most, it was the funniest thing. I'm like watching this on TV, and he's like, got this big three-wood, and he's just like, boop. Just like. Was he actually putting well at all, or no? Was it a he, predictable dis- he, yeah, disaster? No, no, he parred the whole way in. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't make anything over like, like two feet, but like lagged everything up to two feet tapped it in for par he kind of faded like he didn't play well saturday so he wasn't in contention anymore but he was when it happened i think he was like two shots off the lead and so we had to like play the back nine of augusta on friday two shots off the lead without a putter that's funny as shit (laughs) oh it was it was classic it was it was overall it was great like i said the one thing i really wish was that someone you know there was that chance for someone to really post a good number in the clubhouse before hideki and the leaders got to like the 15th hole and it would have been really nice to see like Hideki not have a massive cushion over the last three holes where once once uh once Xander I mean Xander tripled and then like Zalatoris I think was I think he birdied 17 and then parred 18 or bogeyed 18 I want to say and so 
Hideki never really was with no one was ever really within like three shots of him. He always he always had like a two shot lead for most of yeah. it. And then at the end, he still had like a two shot cushion going into 18, which is like you're not going to double bogey 18 if you're a pro most of the time, like hit a good tee shot and you're fine, which he did. And then he had the mega club twirl after because he was like piped it down the middle and like fucking spun that shit in his hands. Like, yeah, I won. <laughs> it's over. But obviously, but I mean, he bogeyed, right? Like he needed the two shots. So would have yeah. been nice to see someone kind of post that 10 under and really make him have to earn, make him have to par 18 or, you know, make him have to go into 16 and 17. Like, I can't mess up. Like, I can't bogey at all anymore. Like, it would, it, it, that would have been nice. But overall, it was a good tournament. It was nice to see. Uh, nice, nice to see. And also, like, the first Japanese man to ever win at the Masters, like, going to be a huge, that's going to be a huge storyline, especially with the Masters going, not the Masters, um, Tokyo holding the Olympics and golf being an event now. Oh, golf's an event? Yeah, it's been for a little bit now. Oh. Again, shows how much I know about the sport of golf. I play I play it surprisingly often for someone who knows nothing about watching it. So um we, this we was, can this make we can make we can make you watch it eventually. We'll get you there. We can try to try to make me watch it. Um have to, like keep my eyes like taped open with like uh like duct tape and then like the uh what are those brown clips you use to like hang <laughs> close pins. Yeah, close just hang them while like clip my eyes open and shit um but that i guess that what will that conclude our masters recap that will conclude our masters recap okay and so now we will move on to oh, something i know a little is this, bit is more this what about. you feel like when when you're talking ufc and i'm just sitting there i'm just like wow look at me yeah how does how do you just, feel yeah i know no it's 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 tough because i want to contribute but then i'm sitting there like yep don't know that oh don't don't know who xander shoffley i think you said i don't know who yep, he is yep. don't yeah just don't just don't know these people so Joe's Joe's version of punch punch kick, uh, I'll say, drive chip putt. Um, people drove, people chipped, people putted, and that was the Masters in twenty twenty one. I mean, that's literally a children's event at Augusta. So, there we go. The drive chip putt. So, look at okay, that. Okay. Um, so now we'll move on to Taylor Hall to the Bruins. Um, last night around, I looked. I looked at the time while we were while we like, were talking about the Masters. Say it was like two thirty, right? It, midnight. It started at midnight. He yeah he got dealt there at um it started to trickle out of midnight the deal was done by like twelve thirty ish and then I just know that I know that Butchergrass was like doing the like Taylor Hall picture Boston skyline as soon as I saw that I knew it was done like Butchergrass doesn't really fuck around with that kind of stuff so as soon as he tweeted that I was like oh my god I was freaking out in like my my uh, chat with my friends I was like holy shit like Taylor Hall's a Bruin um so a little bit about Taylor Hall I'm trying to think how I really want to put this um there is a there is a small that isn't really that small storyline going around that hasn't gone around for a long time. That Taylor Hall is a flat out loser. He does not win anywhere he goes. His teams don't win when he goes there. Um, is that on him? I don't think so. I mean, he, he's part of it. Like when you are the best player on a team and your team doesn't succeed, it is, it sort of comes around to you. It's not as, you know, clean and cut as basketball. Where like if LeBron, if the Lakers suck, it falls on LeBron's shoulders at that kind of shit. But I mean, it's still, there's some causation there. And so, yes, part of that is on Taylor Hall, but he's never been on good teams. He's had a thousand different coaches, a thousand different organizations he's been to. Like, he's never had a, he's never had a good team, quote unquote. This will be the first good team, the Bruins, that he's been on his entire uh, 11-year career. He was drafted in 2010, first overall above Tyler Sagan. Yeah. He's only made the a few times. Yeah, so my, my thing with that, too, is that, like, obviously... I don't. I know a solid amount about hockey. Don't know a ton. Yes, but no. You you definitely know some. We've, we've yeah, watched yeah, playoff yeah. games together. I know you know your stuff. But so, 
But my thing with that is that like hockey is not like you said like it's not basketball like it's not a sport. The only position in hockey that you can absolutely take over a game from and like win your team a championship is a goalie. Yep. Like if your goalie is Tim Thomas circa 2011. Yeah. All right then. I you got this. Never mind. But yeah. like if that's not if if you're not a goalie like you can be nasty and it's not going to really matter. Like yeah like obviously there's there's factors there like if, you know if you're gonna be be a locker room guy and things like that's like. You can be talented, but not be like a locker room leader or be that guy. Like, I think some people just aren't that. Right. And it's like you're coming to a team with Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci. One of the best locker rooms in the league. Right. Right. Like great locker room history. Good coach. Good front office. Guys have been there forever. The the core has been around for years. You're you're going in. You're coming into an established core and you're trying to be the wing to score next to Krejci. Like, you're, you have a he, specific role. You're not even on the first line. You're on the second line. Yeah. Like, no pressure. Like, literally no pressure. Like, you've seen guys come in and be so close to, to just being good enough at that role that they almost win. Like, look at when they brought Yager in. Like, yeah. Yager hit a gazillion posts. Yager gave like, them nothing. And Yager didn't give him anything, but he hit a gazillion posts, and it was like, at least he was a threat, and could, it made a huge yeah, difference. If, like, Aginla gave him a huge a little boost. Bit. Like, these, these aging guys come in and give them this huge boost on that line because Krejci just needs that little extra help. And, I mean, I think that alone, I mean, the cost was only a second rounder. Like, it's not like it was a first for Rick Nash, which didn't really work out. Yeah. No, the cost was an absolute... Like, see, my my thing with it that... Like, I'm 100% for the trailer. Like, I don't even have to, like... Like, you should have seen me... You saw me on Twitter last night. I'm sure you saw my feed doing backflips. Um, the thing I don't get with people on Twitter is, like... Again, yes... Taylor Hall has been a loser. I put that in air quotes because, again, it's it's tough to call anyone a loser in hockey when it's su- it's such a team sport. Um, he has not won much anywhere in his career at all. I get that. But the talent is there. I mean, he won MVP two years ago. It's called the Hart Trophy in hockey for anyone who doesn't know. I did um, know that. It's, it's just easier to call it MVP. Um, but he won, yeah, he won the Hart Trophy two years ago with, with the Devils. Uh, maybe it was three years ago now, but I'm pretty sure it was two. It depends on how you cycle the the seasons they kind of split up weird with COVID but point being within the last three years he was an MVP he's the first he was the first overall pick the guy's got a load of talent he's never quite been that game breaker superstar that you would expect as a first overall pick he's more of a, a really high end like this guy will get you points but he's not going to break the game like that's just who he is he's not a bust by any means but he wasn't Sidney Crosby coming out, of, coming out as a first overall pick like that's just not who he is and the thing is he doesn't need to be that here that's why I'm so perfectly fine with this cost Anders Bjork I love Anders Bjork. I was I was toting Anders Anders Bjork all the way back to when he was at Notre Dame. He's not he's not panned out by any sense of the imagination. He's consistently hurt. He's held out healthy scratch wise. Like he just cannot find the back of the net. But he has a high off high uh, high end offensive game. Try to say that three times fast. Um, and so it, it didn't work out. And it is what it is. You move him to to Buffalo. Maybe he has a uh, change of scenery. Gets him going. The second rounder is while it's while it's valuable. It's not a game. It's not. A, it's not a deal breaker. Like, if you lose out on a second round pick because you tried to bring in Taylor Hall, you live with that. It, like the first rounder for Rick Nash. That especially is, with the. Um, sorry to cut in, but like especially with no, the. No, there's already like the speculation and stuff. Like he wants to be here, right? Like he had yeah, a he, no trade clause, and yep. he's already. And I guess um, in the off season he was close to signing here anyway. So that was, yeah, that's what I was getting to right next. So, oh, cool. is that look at that? <laughs> we're that's we're that on fam- the same. We're, that's that family we're connection. Same, 
<laughs> yeah, it's the same wavelength thing here. Yeah, no, like um, he wants to be here. Like he could be here for two to three years. Like he could be here until the, until this current core is gone. Like, and so that's kind of my thing with the second rounder is fuck the second rounder. Like you want to the whole exactly. the whole thing is you want to finish and maximize your window with Bergeron, Marchand, Krejci, and like you have your young star in Pasternak still. Like you don't necessarily like obviously yes like hitting in the first round or second round would be great with another young stud, but like you've got your youth guy, you have your aging core. You you have you have McAvoy like you have all of these guys that like you're a win now team. Mm-hmm. Go spend your second to try to bring bringing in a former MVP that can provide you some scoring and if he does it correctly on that like we said that specific role on the second line with Krejci, it's a home run. That's exactly why I'm fine with the second rounder. Is that while it's a rental right now technically because he's a free agent in the offseason, he wants he literally wants to be here. The only so the uh, Buffalo GM, the Buffalo GM, the Buffalo Sabres GM today, uh, every GM in the league does a post-deadline press conference and they just talk to the media and stuff. In that press conference, the media asked him, is it safe to say that Taylor was only going to one team with like a wink, wink, nod, nod? And the guy was like, yeah. So basically Hall went to the Sabres and said, I'm not moving my, I'm not accepting my no trade clause. I'm not waiving it unless it's to Boston. So you can either trade me to Boston or you're not getting anything for me and I'll leave in the offseason. I'm sorry to do that to you guys, but it is what it is. Like I have to think about myself by this time. And they, they said, you know what, we agree, it's fine, we'll send you to Boston. So he literally, out of every team in the league, he only wanted to go to Boston. The only reason he went to Buffalo in the offseason is because Buffalo was an up-and-coming team. They have Jack Eichel, they had Jeff Skinner. Um, they were supposed to be a good team theoretically this year. They have a lot of young, talented players. Eichel got hurt. I don't think Jeff Skinner's played well, and the team sucked literal asshole. Um, and plus, Buffalo paid him more money than Boston would have. Buffalo paid him eight point something, and Boston was willing to pay him like a little over four five or a little under five, uh, a little under six like somewhere in that range and so there was there was a little bit of a gap there that made Hall say all right I'll go to uh, Buffalo instead but he was like hours away from signing with Boston in the offseason so he very much wants to be here and he said today um hopefully I could be here for like more than a few years like I would like to to, to resign and then Don Sweeney in his uh, press conference said the he was he was kind of, I don't want to see he was dancing around it but he, he made it seem like, look, we'd be open to doing it, but he Hall, Hall has to perform or else we're not paying him, like which makes 100% sense. Unless he's coming back on a bargain contract, he's not getting his $8 million again unless he plays like a high-end player. Right, like you, you're kind of like, yeah, we'd love to bring him back, but it's got to make sense. Yes, right? like and you're, so... You're bringing him in to have a chance. This is your audition. You you produce next to Krejci and you put up the numbers we need you to put, we'll pay you your money. And that's, exact, so that's exactly what Sweeney was saying. Um, so it looks like this could be a... A pretty long partnership if it if it works out well, um, and the thing about how again he's never been a winner, 100% get that, but he said himself today that he's he doesn't want to be the lead guy on a team like that he's he's openly said to me that's just not who I am. He's like I want to come in and be one of the guys. Like I'm very tired of I've never asked to be the guy. He's like I was I will I was the guy because I was the first overall pick and I was good and I'm like I, I, he gets that, but he he doesn't want to be the leader of a team like the guy who all the eyes are on him. He wants to just fit in with. Fit in with the boys, quote unquote. Like he just wants to be one of the guys in the locker room, which that is what he will be here. He's not the best player in the team. He's not the second best player in the team. He's not the third best player in the team. He's not the fourth best player in the team. Like he is, he is going to be one of the guys. He will be a good player if he performs on Krejci's wing, but he does not have to worry about carrying the scoring load. Bergeron's there, Marshawn's there, Pasternak's there. That first line is still your dominant line. All you need is just scoring support out of Krejci. Hall and then whoever they put on the right wing probably Craig Smith like he can be one of the guys and so that's why I'm cautiously optimistic that this works in the past when he's been 
the guy, it doesn't work. He's never had a chance to be one of the, the guys, not the guy. And that's what he has a chance to do here. Um, I'm 100% for the trade. I think it works out. I really do. I've, I've seen a lot of gloom and doom with it, which I don't get. Like, Don Sweeney owes it to this current core to go for it. Bergeron's 36. Krejci's 35. Uh, Marshawn's 32 or something yeah, like that. Like that's that's kind of my thing old. with it, right? Like, you spend you spend that capital because because you owe it to this core. Either you owe it to this core to give it everything you can to try to try to go for it with them, or you disband them and send them places where they have a chance. And obviously, you yeah. don't want to do that, right? Like they've bit like they've all been here for as long as their entire career. Like Bergeron's a captain like, now. Yeah, like you can't you don't can't trade your captain. Yeah, like you don't want to do that. So clearly, you're at the point where it's like we're going all in. Like you're you you've done all these things you need to do go all in like it makes a ton of sense and like i would also speculate too right like you if taylor hall has been the guy on these teams and say he's not he he might not have like you said like he might not have that alpha mentality he might not have that i mean i don't want to say that he's not a competitor but like some guys aren't built for that like they're not built like yeah if the other team is keying in on you every night because you're the number one overall pick you won an mvp like you've been that guy on every team you've been on and every team that's acquired you has put the pressure that like he's our guy now yeah you're getting the top defensive forward line again on you anytime that they're able to do so you're mm-hmm. getting the top defensive pairing every time you get to do so yep whereas which is you get last change at home games so like anytime you're at home like yeah so like or well you'd be on the road right so like teams will game plan for the, you yeah game plan for you i would imagine it's harder to play on the road in hockey as it is in most almost any sport right yes like yeah so it makes sense, right? Like now you're not going to be that guy. Like you said, like teams aren't game planning for Taylor Hall when they come to play Boston or when Boston comes to town. They're not figuring out yeah. like who are we going to switch with? What lines are we going to have out against the Taylor Hall line? We got to worry about it. It's like, nope, you're still shitting your pants because Pasternak's going to score. Yeah. Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn are still the second best line in hockey at worst. Like that's, like, that's the, the line you're worried about. And you're going to game plan for that line every time you can. Like you're not worrying about Taylor Hall. And Taylor Hall is going to get better matchups him and Krejci if it goes well should eat and so um my thing with the with the pairings is that um I mean kind of think about this today because they need to shoot first right wing because Krejci's pass first and then the idea around Hall is that he's a big goal scorer but he's really not um he can score goals like he he's not uh he's not he's not Krejci in terms of scoring goals like he's not bad at scoring goals but he's not a sniper he's more of a puck driver uh, talented passer, playmaker, and like puts the puck in at opportune times. So they need a shoot for his right wing that will that will benefit um, from having such playmaking on the on the line with him being Hall and Krejci. My guess is that they put Craig Smith there because he shoots literally every time he gets the puck. He just fucking shoots. Um, it's kind of funny to watch. If you ever watch Craig Smith play, it's literally get in the offensive zone, shoot, get in the offensive zone, shoot. It's so fucking funny. Um, and finally, he started to get some puck luck, and, and the pucks are going in for him. He's uh, he's scoring as of late, and so I think that makes sense to put him on the right wing, but. Uh, Sweeney talked about putting DeBrusque maybe on the right wing, which is DeBrusque's off wing, which he struggled with in the past, and now we're getting to, like, technical hockey shit. Um, so I'm a little wary of that, because when they played DeBrusque on the right wing before, it doesn't go well. He's out of position. Uh, he's a lefty, and so he feels weird on... Sometimes guys feel weird on that off wing. Um, I'd rather just put Craig Smith there and then just bump DeBrusque down to the third line and put DeBrusque, Coyle, Richie as a third line and leave that like that's a really talented third line. Um... But, the, but the, the pure fact that we're talking about that they have options on the wings is amazing because they haven't had options on the wings in years. Like, Hall gives you... It's kind of like the Fournier thing with the Celtics. 
They just need one to be able to slot people around. Like, you just need one extra bench or depth piece in, in hockey, because um, you don't have a bench in hockey. You just need one depth piece to make the team feel right. You now don't have to play people out of position. You can keep DeBrusque as a third liner because he hasn't... While he was good as a second liner early in his, earlier in his career, and I don't want to make it seem like he's old, he's only like 24, but he just hasn't produced as of late, he might be more suited for the third line. Now you have Hall on the second line. DeBrusque can comfortably play the third line. You're not bringing up one of the fourth line guys to play the third line. You can keep Craig Smith on the second line. You don't have to bring him down to the third line. Like, it makes it so much fucking easier. Like, do you see yeah, what we've you, been yelling at you, Don Sweeney? Yeah, for? like, you can shuffle people around to their natural positions. You know, you don't have to, like, ask more out of a guy. Like, if a guy's, like, a really good third line guy, it's like, great. Like, we love our third line here. Like, it's a strength of the, it's a strength compared to other teams. You start pulling guys up to your second line, then it kind of gets everything out of whack. Plus, like, the chemistry in lines is so much different than I think in any other sport, right? Like, oh, no, 100%. It's like certain guys just play better together. Like, why you've had this Bruiser like on Marshawn and Pasternak yeah like that line amazing together like because people have been saying like oh why don't you why don't you split that lineup like it's so top heavy and it's like it doesn't work when you split them up but when you leave them together it's the best line in hockey yeah, over the magical. past like what is it like it's been like five years at this point years. like yeah like it, over the past three to five it. years like it's been the most one of the most consistent lines in hockey um that is 100 correct and that's why that's why I'm hoping as like a side point I'm hoping Hall stays because if Krejci I don't know how much longer Krejci's here. I think he's maybe here for like another year, honestly, because he keeps, he's talking about wanting to retire and go home like after his contract's done and just go back to Czech Republic and kind of just be with his family, which is fine, 100%. That's cool. At least give Krejci the wing that he's going to be with him for more than two months. Like, can we let Krejci get some, some, I'm not even asking for like a Bergeron and like Marshawn level of chemistry. Can we get Krejci some chemistry with a wing instead of this fucking rotating door that he's had for like, honestly, since like Lucic left. Like, yeah. Lucic left on the left wing, and then Horton left on his right wing, and ever since then it's just been turning. Wait, it's been wait, turning wheels. You mean the last time they won a cup? <laughs> yeah, the last time they had any good pieces on the team for for Krejci to play with. And not, yeah, like um, yeah. Just give him someone to play with for more than two months. Yeah, I mean it's like, been like what? About, like, like getting somebody. Yager. He's had a Ginla. He's had Nash. Uh, he had yeah. Rick, Rick Nash was 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 the guy, and then he got a concussion, shit the bed, retired. Like, yeah, it was like, like literally, literally they've had guys for like a year. At most. Yeah. And a year is, is putting it strong because it's really been like two months. They've had him for like a third of the season. Um, and so, yes, I'm very much for this Hall trade. We'll see how it works out. He's scheduled to play tomorrow, which I guess will be tonight when the episode comes out because it'll be out tomorrow. Um, he's scheduled to I play might, I might get it out late. I might get it out like late tonight. It depends. Okay. So he's scheduled to play April 13th against the Sabres. He was driving up from Buffalo today, ironically. They immediately play the Sabres after he just came from the Sabres. So we'll see if there's like Lit. a revenge game thing going there. Um, Six goals. The Heard other, it here first. Yeah. He'll, he'll score. He's only scored two goals this entire year. He'll score five that, against the Sabres. I will say, that concerned me when I saw the stat. I was like, ooh, not great. And so the underlying thing to that is, um, again, more more nerdy hockey shit. His shooting percentage is uh, one of the worst all time this year, uh, which is like a complete outlier. Taylor Hall usually shoots around 10%, which is pretty good. He Right, right now he's shooting 2.5. And so he's bound for some positive regression oh, to the mean okay. puck luck. Um, he should see some pucks go in soon, especially with, uh, a guy who drives the play that he does. Like he's someone who drives, like he, I, I'm trying to avoid being nerdy hockey talk here, but I'm going to have to let it happen. Uh, Corsi, Dude, I got to Corsi talk about Augusta. I got to talk about Augusta for like 15 minutes. Like go for it. Okay. Yeah. So Corsi, uh, advanced hockey said is how much you drive play and how often you have the puck compared to, to other people, uh, when you're on the ice with them, et cetera, et cetera. He generally has really good Corsi, Corsi stats. He has good, um, 
puck driving stats. Like he's always carrying play. He always has the puck on his stick. It's just the fact of either having someone to pass to because he's a good passer or putting the puck in the net. And so I am optimistic that that 2.5% will not stay at 2.5%. It would be literally one of the worst shooting percentages ever for a guy of his talent. I'm guessing it goes somewhere back towards 10 um, for, for the rest of the year. That's just what he's been for 11 years. It's it's more likely that he's 10% for the 11 years than it, the 25 for the last three months on the worst situation in hockey. So the, the whole two goals thing, while he's never been a big goal scorer, you should not expect him to score one goal for the rest of the year. Like I would expect Taylor Hall to be fine. Um, the depth pieces in the trade that came over was also Curtis Lazar, former senator, but then he was a Sabre. Um, he's a fourth line center wing. He will provide them some depth, but he's hurt right now. He'll play maybe, I don't know, in a week or two, hopefully. Um, not really much notable about that. It's more just having depth forwards for the playoffs, making sure guys are fresh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the last trade they pulled off, well, I guess it was the first one, it was the last one we'll talk about because they pulled this trade off before the Hall trade. Uh, they they traded for Mike Riley from the Senators, who I originally was like pissed off they got because I didn't like Mike Riley when he was a, uh, a Canadian but I guess he's been much better. I don't watch the Senators. I can't act like I do. I guess he's been a lot better with the Senators this year. He's still a young, younger guy. He's like 26, 27. Um, he's a good second-line pairing defenseman. That'll help their defense because their defense has been atrocious this year. Um, especially with all the injuries they've had. They've had McAvoy out. They've had Grizzlick out. Miller out. Carlo out. Like, the entire top four is gone right now. And they were they got torn up by the Capitals last night 8-1 because they had an AHL defense out there. It was terrible. Um... McAvoy should be returning this weekend. Grizzlick should be back. Miller should be back. Carlos should be back. And that means Mike Riley is probably your your second pairing, fourth D-man, um, which is excellent. Carlos is a stay-at-home defenseman. Mike Riley's a puck driver, puck mover, um, offensive defenseman. That pairing works beautifully. And then that third, that means that third pairing could probably be Kevin Miller and someone else. Like Again, it's just getting one piece to help fill out the rest of the team. Um, Mike Riley does that for them. They only give him a third. That's really not much at all, especially if he pans out pretty well. Uh, really, there's not much more than that. There was some talk today that they might, the Bruins might make another move um, for defense, but it just didn't happen. They had some cap troubles and stuff like that. And plus, I'm not really mad that it didn't happen. Like, you just pulled off the, the deal of the deadline, probably, um, considering value and, and what you sent out and all that shit. And so, not mad at all that Sweeney didn't pull off another deal. If he did, cool, but he didn't. Um, so this is the team you're going to have for the rest of the year. I'm, again, cautiously optimistic has been the phrase I've been using. I'm cautiously optimistic they can pull off a, a deep run here in the playoffs. They're, right now, they're the fourth seed in the um, in the East, and they are... It's weird. They're kind of close to missing the playoffs, but they're also kind of not. Like, there's a lot of teams right in that range that, like, you fall off, and it's like you're out of the playoffs immediately. And so they have to be on their game. They have to be ready to really uh, ramp it up here. But I'm, I'm optimistic with this trade. Um... Well, trades, plural, I guess. Um, I'm optimistic that this will turn the season around a little bit and get them going more offensively. They still struggle to score 5-on-5. Five five. Hall should theoretically help with that. He drives a lot of 5-on-5 five five puck possession. All, all nine yards. Again, keep going, about the, uh, keep going about that for hours. But fan of the trade, I would give it literally like an A+. Like, I, I don't see a downside to it. Bjork wasn't playing here. The second rounder does nothing for you, especially if Hall is better than the second rounder. Like, all you, all you need to do is to be better than a second rounder rookie. Like, that's... Just Hall play better than that, and the, the deal's already a win. And so, I'm, I'm for it. They had, again, Sweeney owed it to this core to do something. He cannot let them go off into the sunset, um, getting decimated in, in the second and first rounds in the last two years. Like, And that's what I'm guessing that's what would have happened this year. Like I say, last two, because last year's second round loss to the Lightning. And then this year, without any moves made, I'm, I'm honestly thinking they would have lost in the first round, or like second round, like somewhere in there. Like, their first round match is going to be tough. It's going to be the Capitals, or it's going to be the Penguins, or it's going to be the Islanders. 
however those teams shake out. And so those are three tough-ass teams that the Bruins are going to have to play. They might have lost in the first round, but now this could change things. Hall might be that extra little punch they needed to get past some of those teams. We'll see. Uh, playoff hockey is coming up in the next uh, month or two, I believe. So there's some time for this to get going, but I'm cautiously optimistic. That's what that would be my go-to are phrase. You, are there. you cautiously optimistic? I think I'm cautiously optimistic if I'm thinking of the right phrase. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm then. hoping it works out because, fuck, I've wanted Taylor Hall on the Bruins for so fucking long, it's not even funny. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I even I heard about like the stuff like over the offseason that he was we were we were close like he was we were really in that but didn't work out so should be should be good to see him here and it's it is cool to kind of cool for him right like you had you were between two teams in free agency and you realize you effed up and you were able to force your way to the to, to the other one you were like damn I really should have gone there and they still wanted you to like it's a, it's a turn of good luck for him yeah and hopefully it works out here for him because again he doesn't seem like a bad guy he just goes to situations that kind of suck around him. And so we'll see if that changes here. Um, yeah, hopefully it does. Good, great not, complimentary. Hopefully he's a great complimentary piece. And he just wasn't meant to be like the turnaround guy for some of those teams. One thing I will say is that it will suck ass if he comes here. And then it turns out the Taylor Hall curse is real and his team falls apart. Then it's like, okay, fuck. Like keep Taylor Hall away from every team in the NHL ever. Um, that'll blow if that happens. But I don't anticipate it. I am cautiously optimistic that uh, this will work out. All right. I, so, can't, I can't listen to you say that again. So no, with we'll, that, no, we'll be fine here. We're done. All right, we will we will see you when we see you, and uh, we'll we'll be back next week. So yeah, till then, everyone stay safe. Have a good one. See you guys.